I said you picked a great weekend to come to church. Now I'm going to back it up with the Word of God. What I want you to know, let me just start with this. Let me start with the title of today's message. It's called Stop Dating and Commit. Now right now all the boyfriends in the room are like, crap, this church is kind of coming at me. I thought this was like a fun welcoming church. No, 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 that church is down the street. You're at the mean church, okay? I'm just kidding. No, we are the fun. Stop dating and commit. Unless you want to date my daughter, then just stop altogether, right? So, what, is, what do you mean stop dating and commit? Here's what I mean. Many of us, and I'm pointing the finger at me as well, we have a hard time committing to, to almost anything, right? Like, at the beginning of the year, it's easy, right? New year, new me. We're all pumped up, and we're going to commit to living a better life, and we're going to commit to losing 10 pounds in 10 days, and we're going to commit to turning these abs of flab into abs of slab, those slabs of concrete, concrete is hard. Anyway, it don't matter. So, but we commit to all these things. But can we agree that Planet Fitness today, like in August, is a little less busy than it is in January? Agree? Taco Bell, a little more busy now than it was in January. Right? We, we get the commitments. We struggle with these commitments. Some of you, you've joined my workout routine in resistance training, resisting working out, right? That's, what, that's our problem. We're not doing it. So we struggle committing. And what about relationships? Oh, my gosh. I could point the finger at me all day long, and I will, because I struggled in relationships growing up, committing to serious relationships, until, of course, Jody was the exception. When my wife Jody and I started dating, I was all in. Like, I was committed. I mean, the cops would tell you I was stalking, but seriously, it was just a commitment. I finally had to tell Jody. I said, Jody, if you're going to call the cops every time I'm outside your house standing in the bushes, this isn't going to work, okay? It's, 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 you need to get beyond that. So aren't you grateful I pursued you like that, Jody? It worked. There she is. We're married. So anyway, <laughs> stop stalking people. Um, stop dating and commit. Let me back up a second. The series we're in, this is the final week of the series, is called Invest in What Matters Most. If you're new or, or, or maybe you forgot the theme, the theme is this. What matters most in your life is you. That's what matters most. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're not taken care of, if you're not healthy, if you're not getting filled up with him, you have nothing to give out. So so that's the whole, and I always say, because I talk to leaders a lot, and I tell leaders, the leaders that last lead themselves first. They always do. The leaders that last lead themselves first. So, so it, I, I believe with all my heart, this final message, I've been so excited about it because I think many people are, are not committing to each other. The whole series has been about like com- committing to ourselves and then to each other. I could use church terms and tell you that today God wants us to stop dating the church. Like when it comes to our faith, many of you, you God has given you next steps and maybe you haven't stepped in those. You flirt with the next step, but you don't take the next step. And I've been praying all week, God, would you turn that flirtation in our lives into faithfulness? And that's what I believe he wants to do today. And this is so exciting. So when I talk about church, I don't want you to think of oh, like the church and the steeple. And the steeple. Remember that thing? Anyway, so um, maybe that was just me. But I don't want you to think of a building. I don't want you to think of a steeple. I want you to think of people because people are the church. So and if there was a church that was ever committed, it was the first church, the church in Acts. So I'm going to read to you out of Acts 2 today. Acts 2, I'm going to start in the 37th or the 42nd um, verse, and I'm going to read six verses. In these verses, listen for the word all. Say all. 
it, it hit me yesterday as I'm reviewing the message. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's all over the place in these six verses. Listen for that, but listen. So let me set the context. The first church is gathering, right? The, the, Jesus has died. Jesus has risen. He's hung out for a, a few weeks, and then he ascended into heaven, and he said, church, go be the church in my name. And this is what they did. They, they didn't, how can I say it? They weren't flirting with their faith. They, they weren't dating the church or each other. They were all in. Verse 42, all, there it is right away, all the believers devoted, another word for devoted is what? Committed. They committed themselves to the apostles' teachings, the word of God. God, you commit to the word of God, it'll change your life. The apostles' teachings, to fellowship, right, doing life together, sharing in meals together, because God, we love to eat, and God, God likes that too, it's right in his word. So the Lord's Supper and praying, nothing happens without prayer. And what happens? Well, a deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles perform miraculous signs and wonders. That should stop us in our tracks right there. My God, they met together under the umbrella of the word of God. They joined, they were in unity, and God used them to do miracles? Yes, and he wants to use you and I to do the same thing. God doesn't change. So they, they all, the believers, there the word is again, all, all of them met together in one place, sharing everything they had. They sold property, possessions. They shared money with those in need. Think of the generosity. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Now listen to this. This is crazy. So they worshiped at the temple. Well, that's like us right here. We're worshiping at, you know, at, the, at, our, at the building that we meet, at this church we call it, but we're the church. They worshiped at the temple, and then they met in homes. That's their life group. Or like They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals, great joy, great generosity, all the while praising God in all of it. And the goodwill of all the people. And each day, as they met and did what they were supposed to do, God will always do what he's supposed to do. He never fails. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. See, one of the reasons I believe the Holy Spirit is so on fire at Meadows Church is because we, we, we will preach the word of God every week. And we want to live it out. And God will honor that. See, we don't have to force a church to grow or we don't have to force ourselves to grow. It is a byproduct. When we get about the word of God, when we get about the business of God, you'll grow automatically. Church will grow automatically. You don't have to manufacture it. It automatically happens. Nobody wants the church to grow more than God. And when I say church, I mean you. And you individually and us collectively. So when we commit, say commit, when you and I commit, God will respond. They were there for each other. And each, I mean, how can I say it? They were the church to others, and the others were the church to them. They needed the church, people, and the church needed them. Jesus, I think the first church wasn't even Acts. I think the first church is when Jesus said, hey, Peter, Andrew, drop your nets. Come, let's be the church together. I think the first church, I, I think the purest form of the church is, is, is a smaller group. You can come on a Sunday morning, and you should, because we gather together, and I call this the huddle, but, but when, you meet, when you meet individually because we can sift in and out of the church here and kind of hide and no one will see us or call us out. But man, in, in small groups, Jesus had a small group. And I'm going to talk about that. But the purest form of the church is a small group. So as I prayed to God this week, and I really, well, this message is a little different than how I normally preach. And that's okay. Um, God gave me three points to give to you, I believe. Three reasons to stop dating and commit. Number one, say one. We commit to the church because Jesus committed to the church. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, your number one mission should be to try to live like Jesus lived. 
That's what it says. Sarah brought the word last week. Did Sarah bring the word last week or did he? I'm getting threatened up here. If I keep bringing that guy up to preach, they'll, they will kick me out and give him the mantle. I know it. So notice he's gone this week. A typical pastor preaches, then he thinks he can have a day off. Anyway, so, um, so Jesus committed to the church. No one's more committed to the church than Jesus. Listen to me. It is impossible to commit to Jesus and not commit to the church. I, I've done messages on that, so I'm not going to beat, beat that horse too much, but I'm telling you, Jesus and the church are one. Now, remember, when I say church, I want you to think about small group, because Jesus, did Jesus teach in a temple setting? Absolutely, he did, quite often. Did Jesus teach the multitudes from a boat on the, on the lake or from a mountaintop? Yes, he did. We see those examples in the Word of God, but do you know what he did so much more of? Hanging out with the 12, teaching the 12. Uh, get, getting in fellowship with the 12, praying with the 12, doing life together with the 12, healing with the 12, feeding people with the 12. There's, there's a lot more examples in the Word of God about Jesus in a small group than there ever was him, him preaching to the multitudes, ever. I'm telling you, when you think church, I want you to think this, this life group, this small group. Let me, let me give you some more scripture. In Ephesians, this is a church that was started by Paul and others. In Ephesians 1.22, Listen to, the, listen to what the church truly is to God. God has put all things under the authority of Jesus. And we hear that, we're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Christ has got all authority. And has made him head over all things for the benefit of the what? The church. When I was telling people for 15 years, I believe in Jesus, but I don't need the church, I didn't have a freaking clue what I was talking about. I'm sure God's up in heaven like, oh my God, this guy, he's... I'm going to swat him alongside. Yeah, and he had to a few times. So it, it was so unbiblical what I was saying. The benefit of the church, I'll continue, and the church is his body. Think about that. It is made full and complete by Christ. He is the church and the church is him who fills all things everywhere with himself. That is so incredible. And you keep reading Ephesians, you'll get, hit, you'll get smacked with more truth like Ephesians 5.25. I'll, I'll give it to you. Husbands, love your wives. Love them just as Christ loved the church. And then what it says is nuts. He gave himself up for her. So when I stand up here and I say, Jesus died for the church, that's the scripture I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus gave himself up for the church. If you don't think Jesus was, that's committed. When you give your life for something, that Jesus was committed to the church. And I'm telling you, he would never lead you away from the very thing that he started, died for, and came back to life for. He never would. So, the church, we commit to the church, each other is what I'm saying, not, not a building, not an organization, but an organism alive. We commit to that because it's beneficial for us. It's good for us. God doesn't want something from you. He has something for you. We commit to the church because Jesus was sold out to it. Number two, say two. Our God-given purpose many times will be realized and lived out through the church. Our God-given purpose will be revealed and lived out through the church. We talk about purpose all the time. Let's go back to the first church. Not Acts, but even when Jesus was calling the life group. Hey, I want you in my group. I'd like you in my group. Matthew, Matthew thought his purpose was collecting taxes. That's what he did for a living. And Jesus comes along, oh, Matthew, your, your career, you, that's not what you're called to do. I mean, you've been, you've been, you've been pushing numbers, but I've, I've been tra training you, Matthew, to come with me and push people to me. Push people to new life. See, Matthew, that's what you're really going to do. 
Come, join me. Let's be the church together. Peter and Andrew, you, you thought you were going to take over your dad's fishing business? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. Follow me. We will no longer fish for fish. We will fish for people. This is your purpose. It's revealed through the church. Mary Magdalene, we don't talk as much about her, but she was a close follower of Jesus. When she comes on the scene, I think it's safe to say Mary Magdalene wasn't living her purpose, okay? She, she has seven demons in her, okay? And you thought your life was jacked up, and it probably is. Mine is too, but you ain't got that. Seven demons. And Jesus is like, Mary, I will heal you, and little do you know that part of your purpose, you'll be, you'll be the one, Mary. You don't know it yet, but join me, and you'll find out through the church. You'll be the one to discover me. You'll be the one to discover that empty tomb and the risen son of God. It will be you, Mary, because I can't leave it to a guy because they'll screw it up. It needs to be you, Mary. You're going to be the one. See, I'm, so God calls his people to be the church. Their lives were changed. The church is the primary environment where we listen to Jesus and we do what he says, where we learn the will of God. Well, pastor, that's a great thing. What is the will of God? What's God's will? Number one question people ask. Why, why am I here? What's God's will for my life? God, they belong at Meadows Church. That, we're, we're sold out in telling you why. Because we get in the word of God every week. You'll, you'll never know your will without getting in the word. Ever. I mean, the word of God is what we need. That's why I tell people all the time, at least 10 minutes a day in the word of God for the rest of your days will change your days. You get God's word into you, and you're getting God into you. So the will of God. I, I did a little research for you because I love you. And I was going through the New Testament because, you know, I'm a pastor. I should be in the Word of God like I'm preaching. And I just, I, I found out these, I just looked for the big heavy hitters that are, they might seem obvious, but they're all biblical in the Word of God. Like, how do we know how to live? God, if I'm mad at somebody and they tick me off, they cut me off in traffic, God, I want, you know, what do I do? Well, God says forgive them because it's in his Word. I'll show it. I'll show you a few, actually. Forgive one another, God says. That's in Colossians 3.13. We know that because it's in God's word. Do what's good for one another, God says, 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Accept one another, right? Don't exclude, include, Romans 15.7. Serve one another, Galatians 5.13. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Love one another, John 15.12. It's hard to love one another when you're not living in connection with one another. I'm telling you, that is the church. The church isn't a building. The church is a movement. And we move best when we are connected to Jesus and each other. Oh, my gosh. This is so, it's all in the word of God. People will say, I don't get it. I don't understand the word of God. Do you understand what I, I mean, you understand forgive. You understand accept. You understand love. It's not, it's not, I think we sometimes we use that as an excuse not to get in the word of God. I'm guilty. I've been guilty of it. But that's the church. And people will say, Pastor, you're talking a lot about connection and groups and all that, and I'm connected. I've got my group, and they're like-minded. They're not just heathens. They're, we, we, we share the same interests. Well, can I tell you something? There, there's a big difference between surrounding yourself with people that share your same interests and people that share your same values. Big difference. If it's all about just surrounding myself with people that have the same interests as me, heck, Jesus would have been in a life group with the devil. Think about it. They had the same interests. You. They, they, they're, they're, they are, their goal is you. Their goal is your eternity. Their goal is your soul. Their goal is to guide you on a path. The devil has a path for you, and so does Jesus. They have the same exact interests. Their values, completely different. Completely different. 
That's what I love about group. You get with people that don't think like you, that don't maybe aren't doing what you do, but yet because of that contrast, that's how you grow. You don't grow in comfort. You know that. You grow when there's contrast, when there's friction. That's where it happens. Your God-given purpose, my God-given purpose will be revealed in, 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 in church, in groups. So I, never, I always want to over-communicate. Life groups are our groups that meet during the week. You, you probably get that by now. Even if you're new today, you understand that I bet by now. Um, purpose groups are different. Uh, they're, they're a group of four people that meet intentionally. And they're, they're uh, like Jesus had a purpose group, Peter, James, and John. They got closer than anybody else. He taught them things that the others didn't get. So purpose groups are different. They start in September, and they're closed group. You pick three people, and you go through the Word of God, all the New Testament. They're nuts. I, I bring those up because... My purpose group from this last year just came to an end. Because, again, I told you that they start up again in, in, in September. And so I've got three new people I'm going to walk with, and so do many others. Um, but they're a deep, deeper step. So I always say life group is, is definitely a first step. Um, we meet on Tuesday. We met, and we kind of were celebrating. Uh, you know, I brought some Cold Stone cake because that's God's favorite. And uh, so we enjoyed that. And uh, I think it was all calorie-free, too, as far as you know. So it was amazing. Oreo, oh, my gosh, it was so good. So anyway, um, I forgot it there, too, so that's too bad. But anyway, so, uh, <laughs> no, I said they could have it. Uh, so, so we're meeting and we're reflecting on our lives over the last 365 days. And I won't go to get into detail, but I'll tell you, when I tell you that purpose is, is, is revealed and lived out through the context of a life group or a purpose group, I'm not just saying this to get you to do something else in the church. I don't, I don't want to put anything more on your plate. I, listen to me. I want you to commit to anything that will add life and purpose to you. That's, that is my dream for you. And it's your dream, too, and you know that. So, so I look at the lives of these three men that we've got to walk together. And, and, and to give you context, one of them now has decided, I'm going to go back to school. Because he's found purpose in what he's supposed to do. So he's going back to school. Another one, uh, he's, 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 well, a couple of them called into full-time ministry through the church. Another one of the guys is re realized he's going to start his own business and, and do that rather than working for the man, if you will. So, but all these things are lived out and, and realized through a group. It is amazing what God is doing. So, number one, we commit because Jesus committed. Number two, we commit because many times our purpose is revealed and lived out. Through the context of people, you and me, together, the church. Number three, we commit to the church because following Christ, following Jesus is not a solo sport. It never was and it never will be. We make it that, but Jesus doesn't. I promise you. It is not a solo sport. Romans 12, 4 and 5. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, the church, that's what it's talking about. We are many parts, you're a part, I'm a part, of one body. We belong to each other. If, if we're not connected to each other through the church, I always say, a believer without a church is an orphan. That's what, that's what they are. Because, because, we're, because God said it, we're created to be connected to one another. By the way, there is tremendous potential, I wrote this down, when people are aligned under the same cause together. We'll, we'll accomplish more together than we ever will on our own. Is that fair to say? I mean, we will. Okay, Love Week. Remember how I talked about Love Week? Remember September 18th through the 24th? As a church, we're going to serve together. We're going to do all these things together. Let me ask you a question. Would you be planning a Love Week for yourself or your family with, uh, unless it was without the church's help or without the church's idea? 
problem. There's always somebody. You bet we're going to plan a love week with our family and kids. We're going to go out and we're going to serve. We're going to pick a school and go pick weeds. And then we're going to go buy people's lunch behind us in the drive-thru. And then we're going to my little t-shirts for the family. Kids, we're going to do this all week. You know what your kids are thinking? They're like, Dad, Mom's been drinking again. Okay, they're thinking you're crazy. They ain't doing it. Because we don't, let's be honest, we're, we're, many times we're not doing that on our own. But it's like, oh, the church is saying, let's do this together. Let's do that. Well, let's serve here together. Let's do that. Let's, let's love these veterans together. Let's love these uh, foster parents together or foster kids. Let's love these single moms together. We do that because we come up with those ideas together as the church. Ideas that we would not probably come up with on our own or, or orchestrate on our own. My family, you know, we were gone last week, um, if you were here, and we took a, our family vacation a little different. We went to Chicago. It was supposed to be just Jake and I going to a concert, but then the family tagged on. We're like, oh, my gosh, just don't kill our bus, okay? So they, we got, they got to come, and we went to Chicago, and I realized something. It was a, Jake and I went to a huge concert. I'm talking outdoor concert, 50, 60, 70,000. It was insane. And as we're sitting in the concert, and I'm looking at all these people, and, and, and I'm thinking about, and I, I, of course, I always think of the, the church. I'm like, wow, what if this was the church setting? And all these people are just going crazy. And they're all unified. That's what I noticed. Every, I didn't, my neighbors, we were hugging and high-fiving. They're spilling beer on me. And I'm like, that's not right, but whatever, it's a concert. So we didn't, <laughs> Jake's like, yeah, that guy's smoking a cigarette. I said, Jake, that's not a cigarette. <laughs> and try to hold your breath, okay? <laughs> so, it's legal in Illinois. This guy got a pill bottle. Full. I'm like, okay, all right, Jake, what's over there? So, um, whatever, you got to learn sometime, I guess. So, we're at this concert, and, uh, and uh, I, I, but I'm just watching people, and everybody's united. A song starts, and they're just clapping. It's, they're, they're, there's so much energy when people come together. This clip won't do it justice, but I tried to take just a 20-second video. Just check this out and see if you can get a context for what I'm talking about. That, that, so I'm looking at this, this outdoor stadium, and, and I film that, and I'm like, and I, I, you guys, I keep thinking about the church. I mean, this, is a, this, this concert, it wasn't like a Jesus-focused concert. It was a secular concert. We're enjoying it, but I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Think of the power in these numbers and these people. And what if one day Meadows is, we're preaching at a, at a, at a, a field like that. See, that's my, not, my dream isn't some big church to be a big church. My dream is to reach as many people as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to save as many people from the trenches of hell that we can. That's my dream. So people matter. Numbers matter. We're going after them. So I think about that. I think people are getting so excited and jacked up over a concert, some temporal concert. And we were excited too, but I, I have things in context. I know this isn't our home. What is, see, Jesus, they were committed to the concert. Jesus how much more powerful is it to commit to the church? That's what Jesus says. Commit to my body. Commit to my bride. To commit to my mission. Commit to the only thing that Jesus said he would build, his church. When we commit to that, I'm telling you, the gates of hell will not prevail. They won't. I don't ever want. Okay, anyway, so I just, that's, we can't do that. So, by yourself, and I love you too much not to tell you this. By yourself or even you alone with your family, 
in your little, in your little, your little vapor that you have called life, by yourself or with your family, you might make a dent in the immediate circle. Connected to others around you, connected to a local uh, establishment, connected to people, you'll make a difference. We're so much more powerful together. But yet for me, my biggest struggle, and maybe you can relate to this, and you maybe have heard me say this, I think our biggest struggle, our biggest temptation, that might be a better way to say it, our biggest temptation in life is to do what's easy rather than what's right, isn't it? This is what most people do. This is why most people will never live their God-given purpose. Meadows isn't most people, by the way, if you haven't heard that for a while. You're different. That's why I believe God had you log in today or tune in or step in because we're not gonna do what's easy. People talk about, I'm gonna start my own business. I'm gonna do this and they'll do it for a little bit and quit because it got hard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit to the, my New Year's resolution. No, you quit because it got hard. I quit because it got hard. And, and we get comfortable doing what's easy. But I came to tell somebody, your comfort is sabotaging your calling. That's what it's doing. The devil wants you comfortable. Oh, when Sarah brought up last week the screw tape letters, that's a book by C.S. Lewis. I read that book and I'm like, oh, you go, Sarah, because it's nuts. You should read it. It's crazy. It's, it's like a, a demon uh, is coaching his nephew demon. And his nephew demon is, is it is nuts. But it's so good. And he's coaching him how to, how to woo people away from God. And, and, and he's like, he teaches him, it's not hard. Just, just, just get him comfortable. And, you know, Sarah said, uh, the, the people are coming to church. The people are coming to church. And the, and the uncle's like, don't worry about that. Let them come. They, they, they'll think they're doing something for God if they just come and sit and leave. It, it's so crazy. That book changed the way I think uh, so much. And Sarah, Sarah did too. Or his, that's why he brought it up. So, the only thing holding me back is me. The only thing holding you back from the dreams that God has placed in your heart is you. That's it. It's not, it's not, it's not the enemy, even. He's not the biggest threat. We're our biggest threat right here. That's why God says it's in the mind. Renew yourself by changing the way that you what? Think. I'm so proud of Brian and Leanne. They, they heard about Meadows through us serving together as the body of Christ. Go figure, right? When we come together, we're powerful. Something else that we do besides Love Week is we've always served at a place called Papillion Days. If you're watching online, Papillion's like a suburb of Omaha, and we, we, there's this party in the park and all this kind of stuff. Deep fried Oreos, blessed by the Lord himself. I mean, they're so good. God, I want some of those right now. So anyway, so <laughs> Oreos are a thing right now, aren't they? I'm really getting hungry. So, um... Brian and Leanne heard about Meadows this past summer through Papillion Days. But they've got a lot going on, just like you do. They're busy like you are. Maybe even more so. They've got a couple sons who are autistic, and so that's even a bigger challenge for them. Leanne admitted to me, she's like, we haven't, like, pandemic-wise, we've just totally just, because it's just too hard. I mean, it's hard enough, whatever, but to get the boys out, no, no, no. So they, they, they regressed. Maybe you can relate. And they're like, no, it's easier not to do it. Well, something called the Holy Spirit, a person, guided them to Meadows Church uh, tent. And I want to read to you, Leanne and Brian, uh, the parents, they're both getting baptized um, in, in a couple weeks. Yeah. 
Baptisms happen in two weeks on September 11th. And I love that it's September 11th. God, I love that date. And you know why? Because the world, us, news, whatever, will define that date. Oh, it's 9-11. And we immediately think death and destruction. Why are we letting the world define a date? See, I want to redefine 9-11 as a date of new life, a date of love, a date of second chances, a date of the old is gone, the new is here. That's what we're going to do. So, and maybe for you, your next commitment is baptism. If you've never been baptized as an adult or someone old enough to make the decision for yourself, and you, you are, you, you've given your life to Christ, you've surrendered to Jesus, that's your next step. That is your next step. And hands down, that's your next step. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, you write baptism on the card, on your connect card, we'll connect with you. Type it in the comments, we'll connect with you. So, so Brian and Leanne, they're getting baptized. And so we send questions that people getting baptized answer because we want to make sure that they understand it and we want to hear more of the story because God's doing something amazing. We want to capture that. So they send their answers back. I'm reading through them. And, and, and Leanne just, just reminds me why we're even preaching this series. God, God, thank you for this. She says, we have two autistic boys, and it's hard for me, us, to go anywhere with them. We got introduced to Meadows at Papillion Days. We start watching Meadows on YouTube and fell in love. They finally decided to, to put their calling over their comfort on July 3rd, 2022, they visited Meadows Church. It, it didn't get easier, by the way. It got harder. Like, let's, let's stop giving up when it gets hard. Stop. If it gets hard, you should press in and say, oh, devil, you want to stop this? Well, that means God's got, God's got something for me. Something good's happening. It's hard to give sometimes. It's hard to serve sometimes. Listen to this. Listen to how it gets hard. We get to church. My youngest son wouldn't go into the auditorium. No matter what I said, no matter what I tried, nothing worked. So here their first experience at church, and she's out in the welcome center with her son. Not even, not even part of what you're a part of right now and what you're seeing right now online. Uh, so, I, so I'm out there. She's sitting alone, but not for long. This is why I love Meadows Church. Two people walk up and approach her. Two people that are a dream team. They serve in the church. And they walk up, and they start having a conversation with her. With her. And you know what they assured her? Because she's talking about, oh, you know, I can't get him to go in. She said, we're going to find a way to make it work. That's what they told her. And she, sa she said, it made me feel better on the spot. As they said, we're going to make something work out for you. I love the church. I honestly feel like, some, like something has laid an amazing, or someone, God, has made, laid an amazing path for me. It started at a tent in a park. And it, then it continued through services as I've kept going. So we found a, sometimes her son will go into the prayer room and hang out in there and she's in here soaking it in while he's in there. And we've made it work and they do other things to, so she can experience it. And she says, I keep having these amazing feelings of peace. God, I pray peace over you. I keep having these amazing feelings of peace run through my body. I'm so grateful for a woman who I met. She talked to me about her life group. It was the first service that I was at by myself. Her, her husband works most Sundays. So the first service she comes to, that she's alone with her boys, and this woman comes up and says, I'm part of a life group. She wrote down her information, where they met, when they met. I'll fast forward. One of the questions we ask is, tell me about your experience surrendering your life to Christ. Now, when we hear that, we think, okay, what Sunday did you surrender? Well, you know, what day was it? 
let me, let me share something with you. People surrendering to Christ doesn't just happen on a Sunday morning. It happens whenever the Holy Spirit falls on somebody and they declare it out loud. Listen to what she says. I surrendered my life to Christ on July 28th, 2022. Wait, wait a minute, Leanne, that's not a Sunday. Well, let her continue in life group. She's funny. She wrote, here, right at Panera Bread. Panera had no idea what hit him. Holy Spirit falling down, blessing all the bread in that place. We were at Panera, which is not the way I pictured it happening. It never is, Leanne. It never is. But I have a story I'll never forget. I'm sitting at Life Group, and a woman in the Life Group, now think about the church connecting. She, had, she, she didn't know what the Holy Spirit was doing. Somebody else had to tell her. A gal from the group recognized what was going on and said, you're ready to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. So somebody in the group recognizes the Holy Spirit moving and says, this is it. It's happening right now. She gives her life to Christ. And then she says, I know for, I know for a fact that life group and services are gi giving me the strength I need to keep pushing forward. It's not easy for her. It's hard. There's still people I need to forgive. There's still healing in me that needs to happen. I'm going to continue to trust in Jesus to help me get through this. I found my identity in my faith and my church family. I found my home, she says. And one day, I love this because she's looking ahead. And one day, I'd like to lead my own life group. You, you, we should praise God. Been coming for, what, a couple months? Her and Brian, come in two weeks, you'll see them get baptized. What the Lord is doing. So, one of my many faults as your pastor is sometimes I think it's, I, I'm so audacious and stupid to think it's up to me sometimes. Well, and I'll beat myself up. I should have said this, or I, I wish I would have done that. And God's like, he's again slapping me around, trying to, you know, get, he's like, Monty, preach the gospel. Love those people. The whole, what I'm trying to tell you is, I can't manufacture life change. I can't. A leader can't. The people that met Leanne in the Welcome Center, they can't manufacture it. It was the Holy Spirit moving. I, I look at the steps that the first church took. I look at the steps that Leanne takes. I look at the steps that many of you have taken. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. And you know how God showed me? In his word. As I'm, as I'm praying through the message and praying, I, God, I want the Holy Spirit to fall on us like it did on that first church. I want the Holy Spirit to move like it moved then. And God's like, well, do what, do what they did. And he backs me up to not Acts 42 where we started, but Acts 38. He goes, go, go, go to the before the message. Because there's always something before the story and there's something after. Acts 38. The Holy Spirit has fallen on the first church. Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, starts preaching. Here's what he said. It's nuts. Each of you must repent, turn from your sin, and turn to God. Woo! Peter. He didn't say pray a special prayer. He said you got to repent. Turn. You don't want that anymore. Go a new way. Say new. It's a new way. The first thing that Jesus proclaimed after he got baptized at 30 years old in the Jordan River, you know the first thing he said? That. Repent. Turn from the way that you've been living. I have a new way, a better way, a way that will change your life and change people around you. Repent, turn, turn to God, he says, and then be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That's why baptism is such a big deal. Oh my gosh, who's getting baptized on the 11th? Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He does the changing. 
This promise is to you, Peter's preaching, to your children. And you know what hit me? The next thing he says, and to those far away. And I'm like, that's me. Peter's talking to me. I was far away. I don't know if you get farther away from being helplessly, hopelessly addicted to drugs, hiding in some dark closet, praying for death. I don't know. I, I suppose you could get farther away. Death would be farther away than that. That was the next step. I'm like, that was... So Peter's preaching to me. He's urging me and others, save yourself. Turn from the way the world lives, the crooked generation. And here's the miracle. Those who believed in this good news that Peter preached, they were baptized and added to the church, added to the group, added to the body, added to the bride. 3,000 in all. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I, nothing I can say, nothing I can do, it's got to be the Holy Spirit. So my prayer this week for you, I'll tell you how I've been praying. Holy Spirit, fall mightily on them. Holy Spirit, rest on us. But don't stay resting. Move in us. That's my prayer for you. I can talk about serving all day long. Yeah, you should serve, but I can't. I can't. I can talk. Yeah, we should be a generous church. We should give here and give there. I can talk. But here's what the Lord helped me write down. And I know this was him. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know. But this, I know. Those who are overwhelmed with how Christ has served them will serve others. Those in awe of the generosity of God will be generous with others. Those who are captivated by God's love, they will love others. And those of us who have been blown away with how Jesus went after us will be part of the church and go after others with the help, the hope, and the healing, the only, all that Jesus can give. Oh my God. If you're not putting your hands together, do it now. Give God praise for the miracles, for his Holy Spirit, for what he wants to do in you. I love the church because I love you and you're the church. So the gospel is what, G is what Peter was preaching. The gospel that says that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead. That's how you're saved. Believe in that, repent of your sin, turn away, and believe in Jesus. He is the only way. There's one door to heaven. It's Jesus. Not many roads lead to heaven. That's a, that's a bunch of crap. One way, Jesus. How do you know, pastor? You, you don't know all the Buddhists and Hindus. I, listen to me. I know because my story. When I was dead in sin, when I was dead in a closet, when I was dead with drugs in my body, I didn't cry. I cried out to Jesus. That's all I cried out to, and he rescued me. And he wants to rescue you. So, so to surrender to Christ, just surrender to that. The gospel that says Jesus was dead, died from your sin, and rose from the dead, showing that you can have new life in Christ today. It isn't about being good. You'll never be good enough. Neither will I. God, I'm telling you, I won't be. Watch me drive a car. It's road rage. So we won't be good enough. But Jesus is. Surrender your life to him today. Because, because none of what I'm preaching matters. None of it matters if the Holy Spirit's not in you. But when you're possessed by the Holy Spirit, it will change you. God will just say, I want you, Jesus. I want your Holy Spirit. I'm sick of living my life. I want you. I'm jacked up. I need you. That was my prayer. My greatest prayer was help me. My most powerful prayer. Bawling in a car. Help me. But yet, you know what, you know, you know what gets me? I'll, I'll see people that claim Christ, but they act just like the world. And I'm guilty, still guilty sometimes. So I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you. I want you to know that. But, but we, we, we respond the same way. We act the same way. We react the same way. We live in fear the same way. 
And I'm like, why are we doing that? As followers of Jesus with the Holy Spirit in us, we should be different. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. I, I wrote down, quit living like Jesus is still nailed to the cross. The only thing nailed to the cross is your sin. The enemy's been defeated. We need to start living like it. That's what we need to do. I'm getting hoarse. I better close. Here we go. I love you so much. If someone were to ask you when you leave here, how do I get saved? I heard you went to a church called Meadows. How, 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 do, how do I go to heaven? How do I get saved? How do I start living my purpose? I hope you can articulate it. If you can't, again, believe in Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to him. Ask him to help you stop living the way that you're, you're living because you know that you're jacked up and so am I. And turn to a new way. Surrender your life to him. Call on his name. Jesus, forgive my sins. I, I, I welcome you into my heart. Change me. I surrender to you. Do that. Believe in the resurrection. Believe in that. Those who call on the name of the Lord, believe in Jesus Christ, they will be saved. That is how. I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray, I'm going to ask a question that I wrote down. What is your next step in committing to a local church? Is it clicking on Love Week and checking out how you can be the church in a few weeks? Is it writing baptism on a card or in comments? to say, I believe in Jesus, I've surrendered, but I've never been baptized as a person who made that decision for myself. Is it giving your life wholeheartedly to Jesus? Doing what Peter said, repent. That just means turn a different direction. Remember, the, the devil has a path for you, just like Jesus does. Most people will take the devil. Not because they're bad people or because they, oh, I'm with the devil. They don't, anything, any, any path that isn't Jesus is the devil. That's the default. The world, the world's path, that's, that's not a good path. Jesus' path is the only path. Surrender to him. Indicate it on your card so we can celebrate you and pray for you. But maybe your next step is nothing I've mentioned. Maybe it's a life group on the sheets out there. You go check them out and you sign. I didn't preach a message to get you a check box or sign a piece of paper. I'm preaching this message because I truly want the Holy Spirit to fall heavily on you. Like he did with me one day. And there's days I feel like he's not even in me. I'm like, Jesus, I feel like I'm struggling. But he always reminds me he's with me. Even when I feel depressed. Should I tell you I get depressed as a pastor? Is that safe? I do. But I remember who's in me. And he is greater than anything that is upon me that is not of him. And he is for you too. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for the message. May we stop, I, I don't care what it is in our life, God, will you show us what we should stop committing to and what we should start committing to? Because there, there, honestly, God, we, I believe there, there are things or people we should stop dating, if you will, and there, there are things, people, whatever you put in front of us, church, that we should really connect to. God, you already know my dream. It's the one you've given me, and it, it, it's, it's that other people will live their dream. It's going to look different for everybody because we're created on purpose, for a purpose, uniquely knitted by you. For the person that doesn't believe God, I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal you to them today through Jesus Christ, our Savior, the only one who can set us free. For those who walked in suffering or struggling, God, send your Holy Spirit right now. Hit them hard right now. God, for people debating on a next step, God, give them the courage, the strength, 
and the fortitude to take that step knowing that it's going to be scary, knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable, knowing that it's not going to be just an easy decision because it's you. And God, for people, and this is for everybody, after we worship out loud and sing to you praises of glory and hallelujah, and the prayer team comes up afterwards, I pray people will come and pray. Because nothing happens without prayer. Let's go back to Acts 2.42, Father. You said it. They, they, they met. They worshiped together. And they prayed together. And then you added to their number. And then the Holy Spirit came. And then you changed their life. God, that's why we're praying to you now. Move in our life. Change us. May we leave different than we came. In Jesus' name I pray, and the church says...